Yes, it is time. Welcome back to another episode of the Everyday MMA Show. Once again, I'm Lucas, and yet again, I am joined by the wonderful Elliot Nash. And today, guys, obviously, it's the big one. It's the preview for UFC 259. And who else better to join us than Bradley from Current MMA? Big round of applause for Bradley. Big round of applause. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bradley, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself before we crack on into the show? Yeah, so um, I'm in charge of the company Current MMA. It's um, basically a you know, sports journalist website, obviously specifically for MMA. A little bit like an MMA junkie type of thing. Um, you know, we've got the website, we've got the YouTube channel. Everything's going pretty good at the minute. We interview some UFC fighters. Um, lots of content coming out, so look out for us. Lovely stuff. And, mate, how excited are you for uh, 259? Big time. I think, you know, we were chatting a little bit before, but I think it's not going to get much bigger than this for a long time. It's uh, it's definitely the big one. No, yeah, I was, I've said I've said it to Elliot before as well. I, I'm more excited for this one than I was for uh, Conor McGregor coming back. But Conor McGregor's in the past. Yan versus Izzy's in the very near future. But before we crack on into 259, obviously we've got a few bits and bobs to throw about before we... Um, before we crack into the main meal of the podcast. Obviously, we're going to start off with the big news coming out of the UFC yesterday that Junior DeSantos and Alistair Overeem have been let go from the UFC. And I guess, to be honest with you, it was something that, personally speaking, I thought uh, it's fair enough. Uh, well, in the in the case of Overeem anyway, I'm not so sure about JDS. But quickly on about Alistair, I think, personally, I don't know about you guys, considering he lost his last kind of title run you know he lost quite convincingly to Volkov I think it was kind of a right decision to make on behalf of the business uh obviously it's sad he was one of the pioneers of of MMA that we know and love today but just you know we'll start with you Elliot um just how 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 sad are you to see these two kind of legends of of the heavyweight divisions kind of leave in the way that they have it's a, I understand why JDS and JDS, especially, was taking a bit of a beating, especially recently. I think he's lost his last few fights now, and it wasn't it wasn't great to see. With Overeem, he put his hands up and did say this was going to be his last run. But for me personally, it was it was always always going always going to happen with Overeem. He was kind of the guy who got me into UFC. The fight against Brock Lesnar kind of like drew me in, and then eventually over time, I watched it a lot more. So it's kind of like really an, an end of an era with them two. They, they were always there, but now I hope they choose to retire and don't go to other things because it's, I don't want to see them lose anymore, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Bradley, how much of uh, how much did you manage to watch of JDS and over and kind of growing up? Uh, do you see much of their fights? What What's your overall like? You know, impression of, of how it's all ended for these two fighters? Yeah, I think it's fair enough to say they're both legends, for sure. Um, to be honest, I'm quite surprised that you think it's more justified over him as cut. I think, you know, if you look at both the records lately, it, it sort of looked on paper like JDS was done. I think it was four knockout losses in a row. Nobody really gets away with that. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Mm, but over him yeah. is still sort of competing. Um, you know, obviously he lost to Volkov, but no shame in that. So I thought they might at least give him a chance to, you know see if he wants to stick around, maybe have another crack at it. He's still around there. I think Volkov's ranked like fourth or fifth. So it's not like he's too far back. So I thought that yeah, JDS I thought fair enough, yeah, four knockout losses in a row you're done. But, you know, Overeem, 
possibly could have given him a chance, but there you go. But um, no, definitely both legends, unbelievable fighters. Um, like you mentioned, the Brock Lesnar one doesn't get any bigger than that, like figuratively, literally. Um, JDS, yeah. <laughs> obviously, he had the the first Fox show with JDS when he knocked out Kane, which was pretty anticlimactic, but still a big deal. Um, and yeah, I think it was 12 years in the UFC, so I think it's a little bit sad, to be honest, that these fighters get cut and the UFC don't really say anything, you know, no sort of thanks. Um, you know, here's some of his highlights or anything like that, just sort of bye, but it is what it is. Yeah, I know what you mean. I completely agree with you. I think the only reason I'd say Overeem was more, not say justified, but I kind of kind of thought, yeah, that's more fair enough, was purely because of the noise that Alistair was making about his whole kind of final championship run. So I think once he lost, I think a lot of people were like, well, what does he do now? And I think he did say, he did say, I think that he had fights left on his contracts anyway, and he said he was going to, you know, uphold those contract contracted fights. So when he did let get let go, I was. I wasn't surprised. I was more surprised to see JDS purely because you know he's quite a. He doesn't make a lot of noise. You know what I mean? Like he's he's quite humble. But like you said, four knockout losses. You know, it does kind of it does push you towards that kind of. Yeah, I think you probably had enough here, mate. Time to move on. But I agree as well. I think it's good that. Oh, I personally hope that they don't. <clears throat> I personally hope that they don't uh, fight elsewhere. Purely because, well, one for their health. I mean, obviously, Overeem and JDS obviously have had some huge knockout losses recently. So, hopefully, you know they won't take more kind of damage than they need to. But um, yeah, that that's some sad news really to start off with uh, today's podcast. But onto a bit more of a kind of a weirder story before we go into our quick rundown of Garnet and Rosa Strike was uh, Hamzat Chemaev, um, him and his uh, retirement. Uh, early retirement even uh, it came out earlier this week that he was kind of done he said on either, I think it was Instagram or Twitter he said he was kind of done with it now and I think it caught a lot of people off guard and I think so we were talking about it earlier because obviously he had this whole kind of persona of I'm going to smash this I'm going to smash that up I'm going to beat your guy whatever and then he just retires it's a bit of a surprising one Bradley we'll go straight to you first mate just mm-hmm. what <laughs> what did you think when you first saw that <laughs> Um, definitely a surprise. I woke up, checked my Instagram feed, and seen everybody saying he's retired. I was like, "What?" But um, yeah, I think the main reason it was so surprising, obviously, aside from the fact that you know he's this undefeated upcoming fighter and whatnot, and he suddenly retired. I think it was the timing of it because he just called out Neil Magny as well. Um, he sort of tweeted to Neil Magny saying, "Get ready for June, and we're going to fight and stuff." So I thought, "Oh, fair enough. He's you know the Leon Edwards fight isn't happening. He's making other plans. He's coming back." And then it was like two days later, he said he's done with the sport. So it, the timing of it more than anything else was a bit um, strange. But yeah, I don't know. I think obviously surprising, but MMA retirements don't really mean that much these days. You know, Conor McGregor, Khabib, um, they're just not really taking that seriously. So I expect them to come back. Yeah, the R word does get thrown about pretty much nearly every week in the MMA world. Um Elliot, I know you're a massive fan of Boars. Um, just how how serious were you taking his retirement when you first saw it? Were you were you buying it at first, or were you like, ah, nah, he's just chatting, chatting shit, mate? Well, when someone says they retire, normally it is the case. But with him, it sounds like more of just been um, frustrated with his coronavirus um, complications because he posted on his Instagram story that he was coughing up blood and things like that. So you kind of kind of believed him I, I, especially I did anyway I was tagging my friends in this saying look I hope he's alright but what do you think but um, Dana White 
recently made a statement, and since then, I don't think he's going to retire. I think he will be back. He's just wanting to get over this, over this um, like condition, and it's the perfect way to build up another fight. Really, he's coming out of retirement. I mean, what is that? Three <laughs> fights in the UFC. You know, <laughs> you can't say coming out of retirement because it hyped him up so much more than it needs to be. Like he hasn't. I mean, personally, like you. I don't know. I I don't buy like Bradley said just earlier. I don't the the retirement word gets thrown about quite a lot, and it's one of those things where it's like until I don't know. You can't say I I see it when I I believe it when I see it because you can't really see someone retiring. But like you have to give him a certain amount of time, and I think like Khabib. I I'm more inclined to think Khabib probably will retire, but then like, when Connor says he's retiring, I'm like yeah, all right, mate. I'll see you next year. So it, it's two ends of a spectrum. Do you know what I mean? But um. Chamayev's an odd one because he, he's only well, he's had what three fights in the UFC so you know he hasn't exactly been there for long and I know two of them he fought obviously in, in two weeks which is you know mad impressive and then he fought um, was it Sandhagen he fought or Mearshart I can't remember who it was Gerald Mearshart yeah Gerald Mearshart there you go I get I get everyone mixed up in <laughs> um, yeah he fought Mearshart and um, obviously that's probably one of his toughest tests that he had which he managed to win in in the first round. So, you know, he's he's obviously got talent, and it's you know, if he is retiring or you know, if he's serious about it, then obviously we wish him all the best with his health and everything. Obviously, I know coronavirus is a bit of a sensitive one at the moment. Obviously, everyone's kind of struggling with it at the moment. But yeah, we're obviously hoping for the best with Hamzat. Um, guys, we're gonna quickly run through last week's main event: uh, Cyril Garn versus. Biggie boy Rosenstrike. Yeah, so Cyril Garn, I guess he did what he had to do in that fight. Obviously, it wasn't the most um, entertaining fight. But like I said, he did what he had to do and he got the victory. Um, more or less a perfect performance there, Bradley. What did you think of Cyril Garn's performance on Saturday? Give him a lot more respect than a lot of other people did for it. You see on social media straight away, everybody's jumping down his throat, saying it was a boring fight, saying he's not that good. But at the end of the day, he's pretty new at the UFC. He's only been training mixed martial arts for a few years, um, and he's in there with the number four ranked heavyweight in the world. He's Rosenstrike's only lost to Nagano, and then he's completely swept him. You know, fifty forty five on the scorecards didn't really break a sweat. Yeah, it wasn't the most exciting, but uh, you know he hasn't gone down in my estimations. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, I, I've kind of got one kind of question I throw out to both of you. You can, you can kind of both answer. Um, what do you make of? of the kind of I say I don't want to say casual fans because anyone and everyone can like watching mixed martial arts or whatever do you know what I mean but um, when people say oh this fight is boring he only does this or like when Kamaru Uzma and he fought Jorge Masvidal just what foot stomped him for 25 minutes but he still got the victory uh, uh, what do you think of kind of this sort of hate towards these sort of really good fighters who might not be knocking out each of their opponents in the first round I think it's quite unfair um, that they get a hard kind of a hard kind of way with, with fans and especially with, with management Dana White obviously had a lot to say about Cyril Garn's performance and everything but yeah what's kind of your opinion on that I know it's kind of a, it's a kind of vague question but do you know where I'm coming from? No definitely I think it's a bit strange how people like to you know, get down the throat of the person that won always. You know, for example, he used that Usman Mazdaville fight where, you know, it might have been a bit boring, he foot stomped him. But why is everybody getting at Usman, who's just, like, say, 50 45 to him or whatever the scorecards were, 
everybody wants to say that Usman's the one that's boring and no good. You know, what about Masdaval, who's just lost every single round and not done anything to stop him? So, yeah, I think... I don't get why it's always the winner that seems to get most of the hate when it's a boring fight. I think the owner should be on the loser to not be so easily, you know, stalled and not be so easily controlled um, and, you know, do something about it. And then a competitive fight's always a fun fight. Yeah, I have, I, I definitely agree. Elliot, um, what, what's your kind of opinion on all of this then, mate? I think this is down to Dana White, personally, because I think he puts too much pressure, pressure especially on the heavyweights, because we don't get this in boxing. If I um, kind of... I'll uh, explain it through like a boxing translation with Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. The first fight, Joshua went out and was a bit silly, really, trying to like compete in a brawl with Ruiz. Second fight, he done what Garnet did against Rosenstrike, stayed behind the jab and fought smart. And I think if this was in boxing, we'd say, oh, it was a masterclass, brilliant display. But because it's MMA, because it's UFC, and it's because it's heavyweights, we just want a knockout. If there's no knockout, we're not happy. So I think this is kind of down to Dana White putting this kind of thing like heavyweights have to get knockouts. And I think if you look at people like Stipe, he doesn't go out and get knockouts all the time. He's a very smart fighter. And I think Garno should be showing the same respect. Yeah, I very much agree with you on that. Uh, there was a heavyweight fight not too long ago. I'm trying to think of what it was. Carlos Felipe versus Justin Taffer. Back in, it was Holloway Cater. Brilliant where, fight. Yeah, brilliant fight. Brilliant fight. They were both swinging both kind of going for the knockout and I think that's what most fans expect from a kind of a heavyweight fight like you said like I was going to make the comparison between um, Andy Ruiz versus Joshua the second fight where like you said Joshua put on a quote you know a boxing masterclass but Cyril Garn does that and suddenly he's a boring fighter but let's not forget he, he put away before obviously he fought Jarzinho Rosenstrike he did put away um, JDS quite convincingly he didn't it didn't go the whole way i don't think i think he won by tko didn't he so yeah he yeah he won tko by elbow in the second round so you know he's got the ability to finish but um his ufc fights he is obviously he was won by submission he's won two submissions actually and he's obviously got um two decisions and one tk so it's not like every single fight he's done has gone to a to a, like you know to the judges so I think it's a bit un, a bit unjustified really if we're talking specifically about gone but in general I think like like you said Brad I think it is down to the loser to like kind of step up and kind of work around what that fight is doing so if Cyril Garn's obviously fighting behind the jab you've got as a, as the opposing fight you've got to think of a way to kind of work around it but you know <clears throat> everyone's going to have an opinion in in MMA so why bother argue with him because you're never going to win I don't think Gan, I don't think Cyril Gan's going to mind too much like could you imagine I think he started training in MMA like maybe like five four or five years ago or something could you imagine when he started training if he said oh in a few years time you're going to beat the number four ranked heavyweight in the UFC 50-45 on the scorecards go up to number three ranked but everybody's going to say that you were boring I've, <laughs> I don't think he'd mind too much I think. no I don't think anyone would <laughs> mind to be fair <laughs> that's a yeah, when you put it in like that, yeah, very good point. Um, just before we go towards our kind of main meat and potatoes of the podcast, um, where do you see Cyril Garn and where do you see Rosenstrike kind of going next in terms of who they should be fighting? Like you said, Garn's obviously now in the top three and you've got Rosenstrike, who, let's be honest, he still is a very, very talented fighter. It's not like he was fighting a nobody. Like, Cyril Garn is a very talented fighter as well. But just where do you see... 
them two specifically fighting next? I think um, for Rosenstrike, it's probably going to depend on how Cyril Garn does. Uh, because if Cyril Garn goes and loses, then it looks a lot worse for Rosenstrike. Because at the minute, you can justify it because he's only lost to Naganu. Um, we, we all know how good he is. Um, and then if Sogan continues to look good, then yeah, you can say, look, Rosenstrike's only lost to a couple of the best guys. Um, but yeah, Gan's still a little bit inexperienced. So if Gan goes out there, you know, maybe fights a Derek Lewis or something, it's got to be a big fight next. It's got to be top three, really. Mm. Um, but, you know, he's not going to get the big fight against Jones, and I doubt he's going to get a title fight. So you're probably looking at like a Derek Lewis maybe Curtis Blades or Volkov type of thing. But yeah, so if, if Gan goes and wins, um, then it looks pretty good for Rosenstrike and he's still in the mix. I think if he loses though, then you just sort of think, you know, where's that leave Rosenstrike? He's, he's just not good enough. But I don't know, time will tell. Yeah, the heavyweight division, I, I kind of, like we were talking about earlier, we kind of, I was kind of thinking about comparing it to the lightweight division in, in certain aspects. It's kind of in a weird lurch where we kind of, the top kind of four or five fighters don't really know where they mm. stack up against each other, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, that heavyweight division, there's a lot of top, top quality in there, obviously. Like, you're talking about Derek Lewis, who's in, I think, what, he's the number two ranked, isn't he now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, you know, no one's even thinking about giving him a title shot because you've got a certain John Jones just hanging about waiting to come in. <laughs> you know, where does he come in in terms of the rankings? It just, it, it's a very... I wouldn't want to be a heavyweight at the moment in the UFC. I think it's quite... I think the way they'll go about it is probably more on m- money more than talent in terms of the fights that they'll they'll make, in my opinion. I think um, people don't really notice while it's going on, but I think it's actually in the middle of a massive change as well. Um, if you see when Dana was recently talking about the changes they made to flyweight, um, because the flyweight division was sort of dead, nobody really cared about the champion, and then... You know, it was just a little bit thin. And then he talked about the changes he made about bringing people like Brandon Moreno in, you know, the scrappy Mexicans and, mm. and all these sort of characters. I think they're doing that a little bit with heavyweight at the minute because obviously we've seen JDS and Overeem get cut. They're sort of, you know, the older guys. We've seen them fight a million times. And you see the people who've come into the rankings and are rising up, like Tom Aspinall, um, Chris DeCow. I think I might be saying that wrong, but all these sort of scrappers, um, these up-and-comers at heavyweight that are coming up. I think they are actually in the middle of quite a big change at the minute, so I expect it to change quite a lot over the next couple of years. Yeah, me and Elliot are a huge fan of Tom Aspinall. We've mentioned him several times. In fact, our first ever podcast episode, um, we did our top five fighters to watch out for in 2021. And in at number five, we had actually had Tom Aspinall. Um, and it was a massive fuck you to all the haters last week when we were talking. Was it last week? Week before when you were fighting? So we all, we all went home happy watching that. Um, yeah, Elliot. Uh, you got anything to say about Gar and Rosenstrike? Where you see them kind of stacking up next in the in the heavyweights? To be honest, we've just got to wait, haven't we, to see what happens with Jones, Stipe, and then Garnu. And another curveball as well is what happens if Adesanya wins this weekend and decides he wants to step up. Normally, you give priority <laughs> to the uh, the champion of the lower division, really. So um, it's going to be interesting. I I really can't predict it. Yeah, to be fair, I, I, we'll, we'll always talk about Izzy in the very very near future, but um. Yeah, if you did you watch that kind of interview he did with Adam Catterall on the other day, or was it yesterday or so? When he was saying about if he wins, will he go after John Jones? And he was like, he basically said, yeah, he wants to kind of, he still wants to fight Jones. So that would be very interesting. Um, but yeah, that does round out a kind of introduction as we now look ahead to arguably the biggest fight card of the year: UFC 259, three title fights, 
and I think it's only fair that we start with the main, the biggest one, Jan Blahovic, the light heavyweight champion, up against the middleweight champion that is Izzy Adesanya. Um, I guess this is probably one of the biggest kind of quote-unquote super fights that we're going to see in a while. Uh, I'm going to start with a kind of swerveball question, though. Um, do you guys think that we're kind of overusing the kind of champ-champ kind of super fight thing now? Obviously, we've seen it with Connor, we've seen it with DC. Uh, we're going to see it with um, Izzy. And, um, and obviously, we've seen it with Henry Cejudo. Do you think that maybe it's just... I don't know how to kind of phrase it, but do you not think it's been a bit overused recently? Or are you still as excited? I mean, obviously I'm excited for the fight, don't get me wrong, but is this whole champ champ thing kind of losing its value? I think it's not so much that it's losing its value. I think it's the timing of it. Um, because obviously all respect to Jan Blachowicz, but he's only just won the title. Um, it's a different story when you've got long reigning champions. You know, if you have somebody that's had the belt for a while, they've defended it a lot of times that sort of seems like right this guy you know he is the man at this weight class nobody's beating him then it's really intriguing when the other champion comes and takes him on whereas it doesn't really have that feeling with Jan um, like I say as good as he is he's only just got the belt so it, it just doesn't really quite feel like that sort of same level but um, you know I still think uh, you know there's a lot of luster in the champ first champ uh, scenario yeah I, I agree I think you know Obviously, you're going to be excited regardless, but I think like, I think you actually said it quite, put it perfectly. I think because, in my opinion, because Jan Blachowicz has just won the light heavyweight title and he's been chucked into kind of a, a super fight, if you would, against Israel Adesanya. It's like, does he really... I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was... I don't personally think it was the right fight to make, personally. I think Jan should have probably fought once or twice more in the against other contenders in the heavy, light heavyweight division before such a fight but at the end of the day it, it's going to be a mental fight and before we get into the nitty gritty about it I'm just going to outright ask both of you right here and now who have you got what are your predictions I want to hear what you guys are going to say I think I think we're going to see a war and I, I think we're going to see a really a heroic, heroic performance from Adesanya because I think he's got more than kind of what his opponents kind of um, show for him, if that makes any sense. For example, Costa wasn't a particularly great fight. We saw glimpses of like almost perfection against Whitaker, didn't we? I think we could see a war. I think he might be getting some hits with some big shots and I think he's going to try and stand and trade and eventually just try to pick him apart and win win by decision, potentially. I I keep changing my mind every day about this because we've got Blahovic is a very hard hitter. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so if Kind of goes down to the ground to probably fancy him, but again, Costa was a uh, a jiu-jitsu black belt as well, so that kind of doesn't really stand very tall in the uh, in the UFC. Uh, but yeah, I think Adesanya is going to win it by decision. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, okay, Bradley, what what's your big bold prediction then, mate? Um, yeah, I'm going to set myself up for a fall, but I'm learning from my mistakes, and I actually think it's going to be pretty easy for Izzy. Um, I did what Elliot's doing now. I did that for the Costa fight where I convinced <clears> myself that it was going to be a war. You know, I fought the power of Costa. Um, you know, I did the similar sort of things up to what we're adding up now and thought, yeah, this is going to be interesting. But afterwards, I felt like an idiot because I thought, look, Adesanya, he's had over 100 fights. His kickboxing credentials are ridiculous. It's not going to be a striker. That's going to be the person to beat him. Um, you know, it's probably going to be a grappler. So... 
I'm not going to convince myself again with with Blahovic. I think um, Jan's predominantly a striker. Everybody seems to be banking on his power, but you know I just think Izzy is on another level. Um, I think he's going to pick him apart and, and probably take you on a bit later on in the fight. Okay, so we've got two for Izzy. I'm going to be that one guy and be devil's advocate here. Uh, I think Jan Blahovic is going to beat Israel Adesanya. <clears throat> I just think after I, I watched the um, the Dominic Reyes fight and genuinely I, I almost winced in pain looking at, at the kind of damage he did to to you know to Dom Reyes who arguably beat the goat in John Jones not long before. And I think a lot of people are kind of giving or not kind of respecting Blahovic as much as they should. Um, yeah, he had a rocky start in the UFC. Definitely, you wouldn't definitely think at the time he was going to be the light heavyweight champion. But the, you can see the improvements he's made fight by fight to the point now where you're seriously considering, you know, he could be... There's not many people that I'd say that he could, you know, lose to in that division now. I mean, he absolutely destroyed Corey Anderson, sent his head into another another dimension. Obviously, Dominic Reyes sent his nose halfway around his face. He's he's done some serious damage to people, and I think Israel Adesanya, as much, don't get me wrong, completely agree with both of you. I think he's on another level in terms of striking ability. But if you're up, I think it's a classic case of like the big, tall, strong guy against the kind of skinny, the quick, you know, technical striker, which it obviously on paper looks it looks like it's going to be a war. And if I'm gonna, I'm kind of you know, I don't want to say I'm going to be a casual about it, but I genuinely think Blahovic. If he lands, you know, two or three heavy hits on Izzy, I think it could be over a lot earlier than people think. So if I had to say anything, I'd say, I want to say a TKO, KO win for Blahovic in the third round. I think he'll go to the third round and he'll just, yeah, I think that's to be it. He'll, he'll, he'll get him down there. I think one, an angle that people haven't really took of it is the actual depth of competition lately. Because um, Adesanya's had a, Pretty, pretty murderous raw when you think about who he's fought lately. Like Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, um, Yoel Romero, Calvin Gastelum. You know, all killers really. Um, obviously, Jan's still, still very impressive, but I do feel like light heavyweight division is pretty weak. Um, possibly the thinnest division, and a lot of the people that he has beat is former middleweights like Rockhold. Um, mm-hmm. He split decision Jacare. Um, a couple of us I'm forgetting who were from the middleweight division as well, and then. You know, I think back to a few years back, he lost the decision to Patrick Cummins. So, for me, I'm just not convincing myself to be honest. But you know, he could prove me wrong. Yeah, but I think if you you that's a, and I agree with you to that point. But then if you look at his record as well, he had he's overturned losses that he's had in his past to dub to victory. So obviously, he lost to Jimmy Manawa. He obviously lost to Corey Anderson. But then they've obviously fought again, and he's beaten Manawa, and he nearly killed Corey Anderson. So. I think, like I said, like the improvement is there. You can see that he's definitely become a more well-rounded and complete fighter. And um, taking nothing away from Izzy, obviously he's fought arguably the best of the best in that division. And he's, you know, undoubtedly won every single fight. I just think people aren't giving Blahovic enough credit. And I think he's one that could definitely... I wouldn't be surprised if he won. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if Blahovic managed to beat Israel Adesanya. But, you know, is, uh, this is why I don't gamble on the UFC. Anything can happen. For all we know, Israel could win by a rear naked choke. Do you know what I mean? I'm just throwing it out there. It could happen. Obviously, That's what he said he wants to do, didn't he? <laughs> he told Ariel once it's up. 
Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You did say I remember. I, uh, I saw that. I saw that. Um, but I think it's one of those fights where it, I genuinely think it could go either way. And I think if Yan was to win, that would really cement his credentials as as arguably not one of the best. Because I've no way am I saying that he's not on that level nowhere near. But he's definitely one that you know people. It'd be one of the most surprising fights or fight or fighters of the year. Where you know. I don't think anyone is. I don't think really. I think no one I've spoken to about this fight has said that Yan could win. And I think that's that. I think if he does win, I think it really shakes up the apple cart. And I think it really, you know, kind of what happens to is to Adesanya after that. You know, what's the confidence? Obviously, he's twenty and oh, he's never lost in you know his professional career in in, in MMA. So you know, he, his next fight, he could just fall apart. Could to he could do a Kelvin Gastelum and just lose for the next however many years three years or so, so it, it's tough it, it's it's a very interesting fight and I think it has repercussions I think it's more to lose for Izzy than it is for Jan in my opinion oh definitely yeah I think as far as the UFC is concerned um, it's completely set up for Adesanya because they're looking at the light heavyweight division and they think you know what we're going to do Blahovic Teixeira you know that is obviously the legitimate light heavyweight title fight but how many buys is that going to get? Um, they're just looking at this and thinking, you know, we can just maximise Izzy's star power here. He's already one of the biggest they've got. You know, with Connor sort of flip-flopping a bit, doesn't fight that often. Khabib's gone. Adesanya's definitely up there on the priority list. And I think they just see this as an opportunity to boost his stock, really, get him two belts and put him up there, really. So it is, it's all there for him. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, Elliot, we've obviously um, we've spoken a lot about the goats and who's arguably the number one goat in the UFC. Um, if he was to beat Jan Blachowicz on Saturday night, where would that place Izzy in your opinion in terms of kind of the best that's ever been in the UFC, mate? See, we put this on Instagram, didn't we? And we've had um, some mixed reviews. I'm, I'm still stuck in these kind of like two worlds where I, for me, watching him live because. Obviously, Addison Silva was a fantastic striker, but I wasn't really um, watching him watching him every fight, so I can't really um, even comprehend what it was like watching him live. But with Adesanya, you've got to kind of put him up there. If he was two titles and the way he's winning these fights and the people he's fighting, it's you've got to give him some credit for that. But I think if he goes up to heavyweight and kind of, it doesn't even have to win the title at heavyweight. If he wins some fights at heavyweight. He's doing it across three divisions, fighting the very best. We've got to say he's up there. I words can't describe how excited I think all three of us are for this fight. I think it's going to be one worth staying up for in the UK. Can't wait to go to bed at seven a.m. buzzing off whoever wins. Um, I think we're going to go to a break now. We're going to go to our favourite part of the show. I know, I know, you guys have been waiting for this moment. It is, of course, Dana White's quote of the week, and this week. Ah, oh, mate, it is an actual belter. So you enjoy that, and we we'll back after the break. Jose Aldo, how is the lawsuit affecting your contract with the UFC? Melhora cada vez mais, mas isso é do ser humano. Faz parte. He said you're a dick. Just translating for him. Yes, that was Dana White's quote of the week. And we are back with the second half of the Everyday MMA podcast. Uh, we're joined by Elliot and Bradley from The Current MMA. Um, we're going to talk about arguably the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time. Amanda the Lioness Nunes will be fighting against Megan Anderson 
on the same card. And, I mean, I'm just going to say it. This is over and done with, isn't it? Amanda Nunes is winning this fight. Do I need to really talk about it anymore? Guys, what what what, what are we thinking going to this fight? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, Nunes, I don't think there's arguably any well, argument about it. I don't think there's any argument about it where she is the greatest MMA uh, female athlete there's ever been. And ever will be, probably. She's so dominant. The featherweight division is slowly dying as well. Um, and I don't think Anderson's got much of a chance. I don't see what she does better than Nunes. Maybe the reach, if she's going to decide to like jab and play it safe. But I think Nunes would find a way and just knock her out. I think it's. I think it will be a KO, TKO, whatever. I think this fight's getting stopped relatively early. I mean, yeah, we'd love to try and say... You know, we think this might happen or that might happen, but yeah, it's not really. I don't think anybody expects Megan Anderson to win. Some people might try and pretend that they did if she does, but you know, nobody's expecting it to happen. Um, Amanda herself said that once she beats Megan, they're gonna have to close down the the women's featherweight division because she said there's nothing left after it, and, and that that's just an indication of you know how much you know how far down they've had to go to scrape another contender up really because at the end of the day she's not really ready for a title shot um pretty certain she's got a, a loss over the last person amanda fought and we saw that fight went she's just on another level so um you know i think it's at the point now of amanda where you think even if you just slightly compete with her you've done you've done a really good job um i don't think actually beating is in the question nah uh Looking at her, the both of their recent fight history, I think obviously Amanda's is a lot of green, you know, a lot of victories. I think her last loss was against Kat Zingano back in 2014. I mean, that was, oh, mate, that's over, you know, over half a decade ago. So just shows how dominant she's been in terms of her kind of her her recent history. But Megan Anderson, obviously, her last loss was against actually Felicia Spencer, who obviously was mauled for 25 minutes against Amanda Nunes. So you know, that kind of indicates arguably where this fight's going to end up going. And I don't think it will look good for Megan Anderson. Um, yeah, I was, you've both mentioned it. The um, the division that obviously Nunes is fighting in this this weekend, and is it the it's the featherweight? It's featherweight, isn't it? I'm, I'm being dumb, isn't it? Yeah, it's featherweight. Yeah, sorry, I had a brain fart for a second there. Um, yeah, you guys both mentioned it before. Um, Amanda Nunes has pretty much destroyed any kind of life that there is in that featherweight division uh i guess the quite simple question to ask you guys is like where what's next from amanda nunez like you know what what on earth can she do next she's just torn everyone to pieces i think she's not far off retiring i actually thought she might have did it after her last fight against felicia spencer she did tease it a little bit and sort of maybe said yeah i might just be done now because there's nothing left um, so I'm not too sure. Obviously, the the actual only really good fight for her is the Shevchenko one, but she's she's two and over her. Um, but she did get asked recently. She's got a teammate, Kayla Harrison, um, who's like a judo world champion, and she did say that she'd be willing to fight her. She said it was just business. So people seem to think that that would be an interesting one, but realistically, um, yeah, there's not much left for her. I think she's she could be on her way out. I'm pretty much done with it, really. Yeah, I, I, I thought personally that she would be done after the Felicia Spencer fight. But, you know, here she is on the verge of another fight and arguably another 
you know, another notch on her title defences. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if she decided to hang up the gloves after after Saturday night, in my opinion. I think she's well within her right to do so. I think she's obviously... She thinks she's gone... She had a child recently with her partner um, in and around the Felicia Spencer fight. So I think she might want to take time out, just kind of enjoy life a bit and not have to worry about fighting or training for a while, which, you know... Um, she deserves it, in my opinion. Utterly deserves it. I think she's. I don't think she's got anything left to prove, in terms of fighting. You know, she's twenty and four, but those four obviously don't think about really. I think you talk about top top fighters in or goats in any kind of UFC division, and I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of forget to put Amanda Nunes in there, purely because of the amount of male fighters. But I think. She's really, really done bits for female MMA, and I think she's probably going to be a lot, like a huge inspiration for a lot of upcoming female fighters, and especially for Brazil. You know how much they love their sports and their martial arts. I think she's done her her country incredibly proud. So, yeah, I think it's not really much we can really kind of get into with this fight. I think, I think it's kind of it is quite harsh on Megan Anderson being thrown into the, you know, if you pardon the pun, the lion's den against Amanda Nunes but um, yeah I think it's, it's about as one-sided as it can get really and I'm sure when we get onto Elliot's betting corner the bookies will probably back that as well that's one bet he can win yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the safest bet of the weekend mate for you <laughs> I bet you'll still bet on Megan Anderson to win as well um, I think I saw somewhere she was a 7-1 to one underdog don't know if she's now <laughs> That was that, which is crazy. What was, six to one. I wonder where that one. ranks among the all-time championship underdogs. It's got to be up there. Definitely, hundred percent. But just, just imagine for one second, right? I'm going to throw it out there. Just imagine a world where Megan Anderson actually wins tomorrow, or for uh, Saturday. Sorry, imagine a world where Megan Anderson wins on Saturday. What on earth happens then? Like what? What? I mean, it would probably take us about a good three months to get over that actually happening. But what? What would Brad? What? What do you reckon? What do you reckon would happen? I'm talking um, about it like the Queen's gonna die, but like, I know, it's, <laughs> you know, obviously she'd get an immediate rematch, no doubt about that. Um, which would probably be the best thing for Amanda Nunes because nobody's gonna get very excited about fights at the minute because you just expect it to completely crush everyone. So at least if she did get a freak loss, you could hype up the rematch. Um, but yeah, I think your only hope with your Megan Anderson is um, if if Amanda Nunes has got the same attitude that we do, is where she just thinks, yeah, I'm just way better than everyone else. I'm just going to smash her. Maybe not training that hard, because one thing you can guarantee, Megan Anderson training for a title fight against probably the best women's fighter ever. She's going to be training as hard as possible, so... That's probably the only hope you've got is that if Nunes is taken her lightly, but um, yeah, I just think the world would explode if she actually did it. Yeah, I I think social media would have a meltdown. I think Twitter would shut down for a weekend. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm speaking about it, like the Queen's died and we've had two weeks to mourn. Do you know what I mean? It is it's unthinkable to be fair. But um, do you, uh, this is actually quite an interesting question. If for example, for example, if Megan Anderson was to win on Saturday, would that kind of rejuvenate? the featherweight division because then if if say a Nunes loses that means obviously there's places open to kind of go in for a title fight against Megan Anderson if Nunes doesn't want the rematch or retires regardless after on, after Saturday 
that kind of puts a bit more life into it. You've got the you know, competitions there again. It's it's there for them to kind of grab and go for the title again. Um, Elliot, what, what, what do you reckon, mate? I I I can't call it. I, I the what I think the best thing would be is Nunes to have the rematch straight after, which Nunes probably will win. Let's be honest. And I think what they should do is do what they do with with GSP, where they tease him to come back every now and then whenever they get a bit of hype around a fighter. I mean, I think Shields, who's um, if you don't know, is a uh, middleweight boxer. She's in PFL at the moment. And obviously her stand-up is going to be, well, you can't even fathom how good she's going to be compared to everyone else. So if she makes that transition over to the UFC eventually, if she turns out to be all right for PFL, it'd be, that would be enough to bring Nunes back. I think that would be enough like, enough hype to bring her back. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, but yeah, it is, I think we've kind of all unanimously decided on a 50 to 45 decision that Amanda Nunes is going to absolutely destroy Megan Anderson on Saturday night. Um, our third and final title fight is actually the first one that's up on the fight card. And it's one that I'm actually quite intrigued about. It's um, Peter Yan or Piotr Yan. Apologies for butchering that first name against uh, Aljamain Sterling. Um, and it's uh, personally, I haven't really, I don't know. I haven't seen much of, Peter Yan to kind of judge on how good he actually fully is. Like I obviously I understand that he's obviously a champion, he's a fantastic fighter. But in my kind of little MMA brain, he's kind of come out of nowhere. He's kind of just destroyed kind of everyone he's fought. And I'm incredibly excited to see how he comes up against someone just as talented as uh, as talented as Aljamain Sterling. Um where where well, I guess the first question is where do we see this fight going on the ground, or, or do you reckon it be a stand-up game? Um, yeah, I see this one going to the ground. I think I don't know if you've seen the Dominic Cruz interview of Ariel, but um, he brought up a good point that Piotr Jan's only last uh, loss was to I'm going to butcher this, but Magomed Magomedov, um, who's sort of a similar style to Sterling. I think if you look at how Piotr Jan's actually got to the the title and and won it, it's you know, it sounds a bit disrespectful, but it was quite favourable. If you think about, you know, beating Uriah Faber, who was way past it, and we sort of knocked him out on the feet, and then Jose Aldo's, you know, he's not completely past it where he's 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 a bad fighter, but he's not quite who he was, um, in my opinion, anyway. So I just don't feel like Petian's quite had that proper test yet um, against you know a real sort of inform contender, but that's exactly what Sterling is. So I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I was, that's what I was kind of aiming towards when I was saying about Peter, Peter Yan coming out of nowhere. Um, he's kind of not been tested completely against, I think, the best of, of the bantamweight division. I mean, when you're, in a, when you're in a division with the likes of Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, you know, those sort of elk of fighters, and the likes of Aljamain Sterling coming, you know, being a, an amazing fighter, and he hasn't fought any of them yet... Um, it does say a lot, but at the same time, obviously, he's a champion for a reason. He's managed to put away Jose Aldo, who, like you said, might not be past it, but he's definitely not the same as he was before, arguably being his toughest opponent. So it, it is, I think it's one of the most, I think it's the closest between, I think I, this is harder to call this fight than it is Izzy versus Blahovic, in my opinion. That's. Uh, I think Aljamain Sterling has every chance to win this fight and become the bantamweight champion. 
Um, speaking about Aljamain Sterling, um, obviously his last fight was in June. That quick, you know, ninety-second naked rear naked choke win against Corey Sanhagen. Um, do you expect him to come out of the blocks fast, try and put Peter Yan away? Elliot, how do you see this fight kind of playing out? I think it's going to go roughly the same way. I think um, Sterling is going to do everything he can to try and uh, kind of grapple with um, Peter Yan. I think Peter Yan's ready for a stand-up war. He's, I think he's, I think he's quite under under respected. Um, disrespected, obviously, would be a better word. But I mean, he doesn't get enough credit because I thought he fought really technically well against uh, Jose Aldo, and people kind of saying because it's like a Uriah Faber before that doesn't really deserve it but I think he's got a lot to offer and I think Dana White knows that as well making him champ kind of like setting him up to be champ but I think yeah Aljo is going to try and get his back as soon as possible he's going to try and get him against the cage get him and try and get his back I think yeah I'm inclined to think the way I see this fight going is Aljamain Sterling coming out of the blocks as quickly as he can kind of overwhelming Yan and kind of getting the decision or decision victory the um the submission very early on and I think Peter Yang can kind of with, withstand that kind of first wave of pressure that Sterling puts on him I think he's got every chance to fight back um, yeah I was going to ask uh, we haven't seen arguably we haven't seen the best of Peter Yang but um, what kind of qualities do you see in him that makes you think you know he's a deserved champion like what kind of what do you see in him that you think yeah this guy you know, he he deserves to be where he is. Uh, it's just like um, strikes in the clinch. I thought particularly well. I think he hits relatively hard. I'm um, given he's a bantamweight. I think he's uh, uh, just the way he fights is a violent style. Obviously, he goes without saying all styles are violent, but the, his particular style, he loves to really get you on the ground, ground and pound, and just load up with heavy strikes, not just pick you apart. He likes the heavy striking, the heavy leg kicks. I think he, he can really overwhelm an opponent and I think that may be what he does against Aljo and eventually breaks him down by just constant pressure. Yeah, Brad, uh, what what do you see in, in Peter Yan that makes you think he's probably deserved champion at the moment? Or what, what skills and qualities do you see in him? I think Elliot's put it pretty well there, so if I want to put it um, you know, a bit more unprofessionally, I would just say he's a beast. Um, you know, which just sounds a bit daft, but just in terms of his power, um, his presence, you know, we, we've seen what he's done to his last couple of opponents, just smashing them. And you know, like I say, it's not the most technical way of putting it, but he, he's just a beast, really. Um, and especially at the bantamweight division, you know, them lower divisions, you sometimes get a little bit used to people just going the distance. Um, you know, not not quite possessing the power. That's why people are so impressed by Figueredo at flyweight. It's because you don't really see that type of power um, at those weight divisions. So yeah, I think he's just got a, a special kind of kind of pop and power at that weight class, which um, most other people he'll face probably won't have felt that before um, at 135 pounds. So yeah, I think that's um, you know the main thing he's got about him. Yeah, and I'm just gonna flip it around completely and come back to you, Brad. Uh, what what do you see in Aljamain Sterling that makes you think he could beat Peter Yan? Um, well, obviously he's grappling, but I think it's mostly about the pace that he sets. Again, I think it's all about, you know, if you want to be the best, it's about doing things that people aren't really used to, um, about giving people... Like, look at Sandhagen, for example. Sandhagen's looked absolutely perfect, apart from that fight. Um, we've seen how good he is. 
but he just wasn't ready for that pace and that pressure. Um, you know, Sterling was all over him straight away from the bell, and that's not something. Obviously, you can train for it, but you know, to really mimic that and be ready for it in a fight, it's pretty uncommon for for somebody with that skill level to just be all over you. Um, you know, jumping on you, having the wrestling, having the submissions, but he's got the striking as well. You know, he's got the kickboxing, and one thing he said after he did have the you know, the big blemish on his record is that knockout loss to Marias. Uh, he actually said that's the best thing ever happened to him because now he's not scared of getting knocked out. You know, he sort of realised that there was nothing to worry about. So, you know, he just doesn't care. He just gets in there. He just goes for it. And, you know, he's not worried about being hit. So it's probably the worst type of matchup for Peter. Yeah, I think having that kind of ignorant bliss is of not being knocked out before is kind of a double-edged sword there because obviously... You know, you haven't been knocked out before. You, you're arguably unbeaten. You might, you know, you've not taken that much damage. But at the same time, a huge knockout can either make or break you. Do you know what I mean? You can give you that confidence like Aljo did to kind of not fear, you know, being knocked out. Or it could absolutely ruin you. And it could, you know, be your overall downfall. Um, I'm going to ask for your predictions, lads, for this fight. And it's probably, I don't know if you guys agree with me. I think it's probably the closest one out of the three to call. I think they both have their... They're obviously standout qualities, and I think whichever way this fight goes, you can't deny it. They probably would deserve to win the fight. So, Elliot, we're going to start with you. Who are we backing for this fight, mate? Aljo. I think he's got got enough. I think he's got enough in him to kind of put Jan away. Yeah, and uh, what about you, Brad, mate? What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going for Aljo. I think styles make fights. Um, Aljamain's uh, beating people. Not quite like Jan, but you know people who've had you know been dangerous on the feet and that sort of thing. Um, I think it looks like maybe Peter's weakness. So I think, yeah, Styles make fights. I'm going for Aljo by submission. Yeah, and I'm gonna make that a clean sweep. I do believe Aljamain Sterling will come out of Saturday night as the new bantamweight champion, which is a shame for Peter Jan. Obviously, he's only just well, it's his first title defense, but you know that's that's just how it is. And I assume they will probably fight each other, not too far in the future um so guys that is our well our roundup of the three kind of main title fights you know this entire main event card is absolutely stacked and i think it'll be a lot to talk about in next week's show when we break it down and look forward to um uh edwards versus Mohammed. but that was our roundup of usc 259 uh, very much looking forward to it and guys it is just going to be full of talking points hopefully you know we might see some titles changing we might see some retained we might see some upsets we might see some absolute brutal knockouts but guys we're going to move on to Elliot's favorite part of the podcast we're going to go straight over to him for Elliot's betting corner and Elliot last week mate it didn't work out to plan did it well what I'm going to blame it on (laughs) here we go (laughs) was Angela Hill wasn't fighting which kind of messed up all momentum I think that's what we're going to say I mean we got out of the four, out of three fights, we had Alexander Hernandez lose, which I should have saw it coming because I was basing his performance of our from one fight, and I thought the hype was going to carry on. <laughs> Obviously, Angela Hill didn't come through. I had Ankalev to win, which you know wasn't the biggest. I mean, underdog in the world, he wasn't really an underdog at all. And Rosenstrike, I was kind of carrying on for the Derek Lewis kind of hype, saying, "Oh, these heavyweights, if they hit hard, they can win." But yeah. I mean, lick, licks my wounds, and uh, I've got some new ones, mate. Yeah, go on, mate. What what should we avoid this week then? Right. <laughs> what should we avoid this week? No, this is this is the winning one, mate. So this is eight fights. 
Now, I might butcher some names, I'm going to say this now, but we've got Kai Cara France. I think he's going to win up here, and a lot of good things coming out of his camp, and a lot of like, hype around him. Askar Askarov against Joseph Benavidez. I think this is the one that's going to happen, more than any. Uh, Song Yedong, put your money on him against Kyla Phillips. Rakic again, what we said about that earlier, about uh, him versus Tiago Santos. Uh, Islam Makachev against Drew Dober. We kind of, it kind of goes without saying we've got him to win. Aljo against Jan. Obviously Nunes against Megan Anderson. And Izzy against Jan Blachowicz. That should come in at 31 to 1. I think if you stick a fiver on it, happy days. We're all going to win some money. Yeah, thank you very much, Elliot. Um, just quickly, actually, I, I completely kind of went over my head. We've got, you know, two former champions in the prelims. And you quickly mentioned uh, fighting uh, Joe Benavidez against Askar Askarov. Um, and obviously you've got Dominic Cruz as a feature prelim against Casey Kenny. Um, Bradley, how, how do you see these two former champs stacking up against these two fighters on Saturday? I think Benavidez hasn't, probably hasn't shown me enough for a long time. Obviously, he's, he's had tough fights. He's pretty much been in the, the top five of whatever division he's fought in, in the UFC ever since he came to the UFC so you can't really blame him for that but I just feel like he might be a bit past it you know he got absolutely destroyed if we're being honest by Figueredo it was, it was pretty bad and those are some of the losses that can stick with you for a bit and um, it seems like it's, it's completely changed his tune you know now he's trying to say that you know he's not fighting for titles he's just fighting for fun which coming up against somebody like Askarov is you know it's, it's going to be a tough one so I don't I'm not expecting much from him, but hopefully he proves me wrong. Um, and Dominic Cruz, I think people are probably counting Dominic Cruz out a little bit too soon. Um, again, he's just he's just not being able to have the activity. But in my opinion, he's probably one of the best fighters ever. I think if he could have been active um, and you know strung a few more wins together in his activity, it, you know he's almost like the Floyd Mayweather of MMA. You know he couldn't be touched at one point. Maybe not quite to that extent, but. You know, he was he was absolutely. <laughs> it's big of you to yeah. start comparing Dominic Cruz to Monday. <laughs> I mean, from sort of a defensive standpoint, not um, you know, but yeah, I mean, he was just you know when you think about the the massive layoff he had and to come back and beat T.J. Dillashaw in his prime, um, you know, he's just an absolute beast. So uh, I think he could sort of remind people a little bit. Again, he had a big layoff before the Cejudo fight, and um, if you watch his interview with Helwani, he said he only had a chance to spar about four or five times before that fight. Because it was a quick turnaround after a layoff, so um, yeah, I think Cruz could remind a few people who he is, but but you know we'll see. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, the whole kind of card in itself is going to be exciting. I'm so excited for this. Uh, but guys, that has been the Everyday MMA Show. Um, before we leave, Bradley, mate, tell us a bit about what's coming up with you and what you've got going on. Obviously, as much as you can tell us, but yeah, just what have you got coming up in the next kind of coming months? Yeah, so a couple of announcements that will be coming soon, um, as soon as we can. But plenty going on. You know, we we're you know we're keeping active every single day with the content. We're you know we're always the first first among the news. We post a lot of our stuff before ESPN or any of these other big guys. Yeah, we're keeping busy. We've got lots of YouTube content about you know top five lists, um, you know most controversial decisions and just some fun videos like that. So there's plenty going on um, across all our channels. So it's worth following. Yeah, we'll make sure we'll plug all of your your socials all over our Instagram and Twitter and everything like that. We'll make sure you get the coverage. And um, yeah, guys, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Everyday MMA Podcast. 
uh, the love that we've been getting on that just each week gets better and better and better and we obviously I say it every week but myself and Elliot are just you know we we couldn't expect any more it's just amazing to see the kind of responses that we get from this um, but yeah we'll make sure we see you next week obviously there'll be a lot to talk about and just again thank you for Bradley from Current MMA for coming on massive thanks for coming on mate you've done us a massive favour we love talking to you we'll happily have you on anytime that you fancy and we will see you guys next week <laughs>